Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. You and me, if you're a Vulcan or a Romulan, unification, let's <laughs> flee. Okay. Uh, I didn't know you were going to do that. Neither did I. Oh, there you go. What but a treat. I, what a treat. The, the unification <laughs> anthem for Navarre. Uh, hello, all. Hello, all. Happy post-Thanksgiving. And what... A great deal we have to be thankful for with this uh, new episode of Star Trek Discovery. Yes, the pieces are starting to come together, mm. James Mason says. <laughs> mm. Yes. You do uh, enjoy yeah. your James Mason. My James Mason, whenever things are starting to, my machinations are working out. Uh, well, I think this is exciting. Welcome to Set Phasers, a highly <laughs> illogical Star Trek podcast. And uh, today we're discussing uh, episode seven of season three. and. Things are getting very discovery e e now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of revelations going down. Or not quite revelations yet, but they're setting us up. I think they're setting us up for a big... Big reveal. Big old slap in face. <laughs> I know that right before we started this, I said I was going to have tinfoil time, but just mm-hmm. talking about it, I just came up with four weird theories. <laughs> you just get so excited. I just, I look at my notes and I go, but what if... Mm. But you, you just anyway. said earlier before we came on, you said, well, I feel like they've just given us so much. How can I yeah. talk about tinfoil time? I was like, there's no real secrets in this one. Things mm. are revealed. But now that I sit here, <laughs> I'm like, but what about? In the hot seat, as it were. That's right. It's my job to come up with baseless theories about what the ending <laughs> for the, se- the season is. <laughs> and I, I'll be damned if I'm going to not do that. Okay, so wonderful. any before we do a rundown, any thoughts about the episode other than that it was wonderful? Yes, really it fun. was wonderful. So much fun. So many threads coming together. Star yeah. Treks. I was going to say past and present, but well, yes, past and yes. present. Could have said future, but that's what I, yes, past and present. Yes. Wonderful. The present. Yeah. Also, I enjoyed the the courtroom drama of this yes. uh, Vulcan Romulan ritual. I was like, yes, we're going to have arguments today. And and of course the reun well the reunification the reuniting of Burnham and her mother. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! By the way, lots of spoilers. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't seen the episode, stop oh, yeah. watching if, right now and go and watch it. Immediately cease watching or listening to this oh, and yeah. watch the episode. Otherwise, you will be crestfallen. Yeah. Um, once again, the writers of Discovery have chosen a name that has more than one meaning. Yes, mm. Michael and uh, her mother. Oh, we should say this for the end. Why am I doing the analysis at the beginning? Yes. <laughs> okay, let's write it down. Oh, 
Wait, do we? Yes. You haven't done your star date yet. Do you do that? You don't normally do oh, that. Yes, do. do uh, yes, yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, yes, I'm so sorry. I'm going to take the fun away from you. I'm so sorry. It is star date 31127.8, and we are discussing season three, episode seven of Star Trek Discovery, entitled Unification 3. It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? What just happened? Can you run it down for me? I would love to tell you what just happened. Yes. Do yes. it. Let's go okay. there. We begin this episode with a Michael voiceover. As you may recall, she was demoted at the end of the last episode for her insubordination, going to the planet of Hunhau to get information about the burn, but also really to uh, check up on her love a man book um so there was a lot of stuff anyway she didn't follow orders she got demoted she's now just chief science officer and saru is without a first officer without mm. a number one mm. uh, and michael's feeling like she doesn't fit in uh with starfleet it's really coming to a head and as she's coming to these feelings that maybe she she can't rest until she finds out the reason for the burn that maybe she can't do that while in Starfleet. But one thing she can do is go down to the shuttle bay and go up on book ship and they can get nakey nakey and get freaky freaky. You want to hit them with the... Yeah. I can't get they, enough of that. I love that. They really... Yes. Yeah. Just, that's how I feel about book removing his shirt. I know. I can't get enough of that booky stuff. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I realized, too, that maybe I'm also extra into Book because his name is literally Book. And I love books. <laughs> uh, it's just a mixture of all the things that I love about a thing. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so they get naked, naked, and freaky, freaky <laughs> on Book's ship. And then in the pillow talk afterwards, Book's like, so when are we getting out of here? And Michael's like, oh, what do you mean? And he's like, come on, you, I don't belong here. And it seems like maybe you don't belong here. And this is probably going to be temporary. And so they're kind of thinking about that. That's what they think about in their post-coitus uh, euphoria. Mm-hmm. Snuggles. Mm. Embrace. Uh, it's worth mentioning that once again, I failed to complete my sexy book song. But in my defense, his shirt doesn't come all the way off. So my inspiration did not reach uh, peak levels. You get some nipples. I think you get, you get nipples. It's not enough. Sorry. Not all enough. Right, he needs to just, you know, the, in the first episodes, it was very conspicuous. It was like, oh, hey, I just had to remove my shirt and sit over here by this water and, oh, let me heal you with my secret druid songs of the universe and rub this lotion on your wounds. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure there'll be more freaky freaky between them. Later on, Michael approaches Tilly and Tilly's a little upset that Michael put her and Saru in such a weird position with Starfleet and Michael apologizes, but then they get right back down to business because now they're looking at the black boxes and they discover that the three black boxes that they have, they are the the time of the the burn explosion, the dilithium exploding in the cores is millionths of a second, mm-hmm. millionths of a second off. The USS Yelchin is one millionth of a second ahead of the Govnor, the Gavnor, Govnor, Gavnor. I don't know. And it's seven millionths of a second before the Giacone, meaning that they could potentially triangulate the location from which the burn originated. However, in three-dimensional space, three points is not really enough to triangulate a location. You would need several more. To quadrangulate? You, you can't even quadrangulate. In three-dimensional space, you would need, I, I mean, at least four, five, I think, maybe six. It's also, it's thousands of light years across. Anyway, I mean, come on. Uh, but 
At the same time, Michael mentions that there was a Starfleet project in the works at the time of the burn called SB-19, which uh, we later find out a little bit more about, but it's still a little confusing as to what it really was. But apparently there were sensors set up thousands of light years apart throughout Federation space that were meant to be monitoring Federation space. And they have no reports of what SB-19 recorded during the burn, meaning that the information is either they recorded nothing or the information has been withheld. So they bring this new information, Michael and Saru at the very least, to Admiral Vance. And Admiral Vance is like, well, this is this is amazing, but we don't have the SB-19 data. It belongs to the planet that was running the program, the planet called Navarre. But you would know it as... Dun, dun, dun. The planet Vulcan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. The Vulcans and Romulans have reunited. Reunited, and it feels United, so good. Unificated. They have unifi- unificated. And it feels so good. And they uh, have been living together on one planet, which they now have called Navarre. But they were the ones running the SB-19 program. And apparently they felt that Starfleet sort of did pressured them and maybe that the SB-19 was actually the cause of the burn. They believe it was their fault. Therefore, they shut down the program and will not share the information with Starfleet. And they have left the Federation, uh, I think, a hundred years prior to this moment. So in order to get that information, Vance doesn't think scientific evidence is really going to shake it loose. However, the sister of Spock who is, was the driving force behind the unification movement, which is a callback to TNG episodes, uh, it would possibly sh- uh, shake some things loose, maybe get them to uh, come around. So he's going to send Michael, even though she's freshly demoted, uh, with Discovery down there to be a liaison, a diplomat, to try and negotiate the release of this information so they can hunt down the cause of the burn. Uh, burn! Burn! Uh, in the meantime, as they're getting ready to depart, Saru asks Tilly to come into his ready room and offers her the position of number one. <gasps> Tilly, everybody. Tilly time. Tilly, don't be silly. Tilly, space is wide. Clearly, it gets chilly. Tilly, it's your time. But Tilly's unsure about uh, taking the position. And Saru says, hey, think about it. But I really trust you. I think you would put the ship and Starfleet first. And I think you would make a great first officer. Uh, he sort of like asked her to be, uh, what does he say? Like uh, interim, essentially, first officer. Mm. Uh, even though she isn't acting as yes, acting first acting. officer. Acting. Like James officer. Mason. James Mason here, acting. Mm. Um, and so he says, hey, don't rush into it. I know it's, it's you know, it's a lot because Tilly is still... An ensign? Technically an ensign. Yeah. She never completed the command training program, never got promoted. However, she has been on this crazy journey and been integral in all these things. And also, we've talked about this a little bit. We've hinted at it, that she's been a better number one for Saru in these last few episodes than Michael has, for sure. She's the one that gives him the pep talk after the dinner goes terribly. He's the one that says, you got to tell Admiral Vance when Michael goes AWOL. You know, she's been like killing it as an ensign. And also running engineering. I mean, come on, Tilly. You're the bomb. So, Disco jumps to Navarre. And they meet President Tarina, who's like, oh, it's an honor to meet you, Michael. 
However, I will not share the SB19 inquiry information with you. And if you keep insisting on that, we will not even come to meet you. And Michael's like, but please. And she's like, absolutely not. We will not give you that information. We cannot let it fall into Starfleet's hands. And so Michael, as a graduate of the Vulcan Science Academy, invokes the Tikal in Ket. Tikal in Ket. A process, a quote, philosophical process designed to unearth deep truths. Basically forces anyone, the, the leader of the planet, to assemble a quorum of the, the great minds, I guess, of the Vulcan Science Institute, now the Navarre Science Institute, and they must hear out someone's uh, theories. Apparently, it goes back all the way to, like, early uh, advances in uh, on Vulcan. So she does that. She forces Tarina's hand. Tarina has to form a quorum, and she beams up with the quorum members. There are three of them from the planet, and we'll get into them later. She also mentions that part of the Tkalkinket is that Michael will have an advocate by her side. There is a word for it, which I didn't write down because it's in Vulcan and there's so much Vulcan. There was a lot of Vulcan. But words, yeah. it is a member of the Coat Malat, which those of us who are super nerds and watched all of Picard earlier this year, what's up? What's up? We, uh, what's up? Uh, hello. We know the Coat Malat because uh, they provided us with the character... Elnor, Elnor, uh, who accompanied Picard in his his apparently hopeless mission uh, to find Data's daughter and save us from robots from space. Okay, don't get, we should do a Picard thing sometime because it's very complicated. Hey, yeah, we might do this after, that after the season ends. Yeah, we could do yeah, that. We, we have could, time. I, I'm not going anywhere. Let us know, friends and listeners, if you want us to be talking about Picard because... The season ends in January, and Steph and I still have much nerding to do. Oh, yeah. We nerd out all the time. We nerd out all the time. Okay, so there'll be a sister of the Coat Milot uh, coming to be Michael's advocate. And who is that sister from the Coat Milot? I think it deserves a dun-dun-dun. I was shocked. I was I, shocked. I was shocked. Uh, like four, maybe three seconds before it happened, I was like, it's gonna be Doctor G, Doctor Doctor Gabriel Burnham, Michael's mom. I was fl- I was floored. I floored. I still was I was still like I was still in a a a liquefied brain moment when it was revealed. It only occurred to me because the reveal with the veil, the hood, and she was like, "Hey, baby," and they hugged and they cried and everything. And of course, her mother Gabrielle Burnham. Known lovingly to those of us here at Set Phasers as Dr. G. Dr. G. Uh, Dr. G. Uh, had fallen in with the co-op Malat when she returned back uh, from the from the back from the past to the future. Very, uh, very Michael J. Fox style. Mm-hmm. It's confusing and we try not to think about it too hard. It's heavy. It's heavy, Doc. It's heavy, Doc. It's heavy. Yes. In the meantime, Saru is hitting it off with Tarina that he's giving her a tour of the ship and he, she's telling him about the history of Navarre and why they decided to leave the Federation and so on and so forth. Um, Dr. G mentions to Michael, her daughter, that she seems a bit lost and, uh, you know, maybe is, is dealing with some stuff that she's not quite ready to face and that it's dangerous to be doing that while they're about to walk into a Tikal Kinket because as Tarina reminds Michael, 
the one of the main things that people do in the Takao Kinket is try to undermine or assail the credibility of the person who's called it and who is trying to uh, to bring forth this new idea. So let's run down our three quorum members, shall we? Let's do it. Yes. First, we have Niraj, hmm. a Romulan elder. They're like bachelors on the, the Bachelorette game. Our three quorum members. Uh, behind door number one, Niraj, Romulan elder seeking greater self-governance. Behind door number two, Vakir, who belongs, he's a high priest of a sect of Vulcan purists. And behind door number three, Shira, a Romulo-Vulcan. I love that term. Shira, a Romulo, by the way. Yes, Shira. 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 A Romulo-Vulcan looking for a new path forward mm. for Navarre. <laughs> uh, okay. Who was your pick if you had to go out with one of them? Yeah. Well, bachelor number one, tell me about uh, yourself. I am a Vulcan purist, and I don't think humans deserve to be in. Okay. Uh, I could do that. It's a game we could play, but let's get back to business. I'm trying to remember what um, we called that. We had that game show before match we gave game? it to you. Oh, that's a match game. Oh, I'll have to. What was it called? Are you, was, are you Googling I am, it? I, yes, I am. I'm absolutely Googling it. If you want to. No. You can Google that. You can Google that. You can Google that. If you want, want to, to know. Blind, blind date. Blind date. Yes. Hello, I'm James Mason. Welcome to a new episode of Blind, blind date. date. Blind yeah. date. Uh, yes. Um, so... Serena, meanwhile, is explaining to Saru what really happened. The Federation had leaned pretty hard on Navarre to come up with this SB19 project, partially because there was already a dilithium shortage before the burn. And they wanted, uh, after the burn, they kind of were demanding even more from Navarre. And they and, and maybe a few other Federation planets felt this way about Starfleet and the Federation. And so they decided they had to withdraw. To withdraw. And they didn't believe that the, the information was safe in the hands of Starfleet. Also, they believe that they were the cause, that because they were pressured into doing SB-19 by Starfleet, they had caused the burn. So the Takao Kinket begins, and as Michael's making her open argument, Vakir immediately interrupts and says her evidence is not enough, and he wants to end the proceedings right away, before they even begin, essentially. Um, Niraj notes that the burden of thinking that they are the cause of the burn has led to a lot of hardships on Navarre. And Fakir intimates that uh, that there's they already have enough problems with the quote unrest in the provinces that uh, that Niraj and the uh, I forgot Niraj and of course Shira <laughs> I have to look at that uh, in their various provinces. So Fakir uh, is really trying to like overtake these proceedings, and he mm. is not. He's not happy. He's just so unimpressed. Yeah, he's he doesn't um, even want to entertain. Even yeah, being there. total purist, if you catch my drift. And uh, so anyway, uh, Dr. G intervenes and is like, hey, emotions run high. Why don't we uh, rest with our thoughts for a little bit, adjourn for a bit, and we'll come back and resume this. So while that's happening, Tilly actually finds Stamets in engineering, and she she talks to him and, sa- and mentions that she's been offered the position of number one and what does Stamets think, obviously, you know, concerned. And Stamets gives a rather poor answer. Uh, which, uh, to be fair, he didn't really com- get a chance to complete. Yes. You know, he was he was in, in true Stamets fashion was <laughs> leading with the bad news and probably was going to come around too. It would be he said it would be extremely weird to be taking orders from her. 
to have her be his boss. Yeah. But he did say it with a sort of a smile of like, that would be a little bit weird. Yeah, I think but, he was going to absolutely seem like he was going to pivot to, but we all trust you and think you would be great. But then he gets interrupted by Owo, who's like, hey, we need you to be ready for the jump back. So get back on your work. And while he's distracted, Tilly's like, okay, well, I should go anyway. So she leaves. Uh, clearly a bit uh, perturbed by um, Stamets' response. Dr. G and Michael have a conversation while the, the Tikalkin car is adjourned. And Dr. G says Michael has to be more truthful with the quorum and more truthful with herself. And Michael says, listen, I may be holding some things back, but you know me. You should vouch for me. You're, you're my mother, and you know what I'm, what I'm trying to say, what I stand for. Mm. And Dr. G responds, well, seeing how Michael has spoken thus far into the Calton Cat, she cannot vouch for Michael. A couple of things to remember about the uh, Coat Milant is that, one, they believe in a sort of radical candor, radical honesty, speaking mm. the truth no matter what. And two... Uh, when you have an advocate such as this uh, uh, joined to you, it is because your your cause is a lost cause, is a is a cause that essentially the chances of it succeeding are very very minimal. Who is the patron saint of lost causes? There is a, a like that's a genuine thing. The patron saint of lost causes, Saint Jude. Saint Jude. The sisters of the Coat Malat are the Saint Judes of Vulcan. There you go. And uh, okay, so to call Kinket part two. Oh my god, that would be such a cool. Whatever. If I was to, if I was to become a rapper, I would call myself to call Kinket. That's all I have to say about that. So look out for my mixtape, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it begins again, and so Michael takes a different tack. She implores the quorum, please help me figure out what happened with the burn. If it's not your fault, it's important that we hunt down what is the cause of the burn. Uh, however, she is thwarted by not only Vakir, but also her mother. <laughs> Dr. G basically points out, like, Listen, look at all the things that Michael has done in insubordination of the Federation. She tells us she is here representing them. She tells us that we can trust them. And yet she started the war with the Binary Stars by creating a mutiny so that she could handle the Vulcans on her own. And she shows up here to the Chakal Kinket, having recently been demoted from her position of number one. Uh, having uh, uh, disobeyed a direct order and insubordinately been absent without leave. So why, then, should we trust her? Mm. Which leads Michael to counter, okay, yes, I'm human. Oh, her mother says she's human through and through and points indicates that she grew up an orphan and that there's all these things that may lead her to make bad decisions, basically pointing out every flaw and weakness that Michael has. And forces Michael to counter that, yes, we may be flawed, but you've seen that Starfleet has given me a purpose and a family. And, and though we are flawed, you, you saw us try to save the galaxy, all the, all the sentient life here. And though we're flawed, we always try to do our best and we come out doing the right thing in the end. Isn't that true? And her mother has to agree to all these points. And then at the end of that, Dr. G turns to the quorum and says, now she speaks the truth. Mm. Tough uh, love. Yeah, baby. And oh, but yeah. also display, you know, mm. radical candor. Having radical Michael... Candor. These are things Michael's been holding back. She's been very mum, very uh, cagey with almost everyone. It was just like a sort of rapid fire therapy session in front of everyone. Yeah. And Michael does later on say, I see where you were trying to do there, but it seemed like a, a pretty uh, inconvenient time to suddenly do some parenting. Mm. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, uh, when when that becomes clear, I think Michael does win some some more support from Shira and Naraj, but Vakir is still not into it. And it actually leads to then 
infighting amongst the quorum, a sort of fracturing of this of this delicate balance, this delicate, mm. dare I say it, unification. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Michael realizing that this, just to get this information, even though it would be the it's, it's the the raison d'être of her these days. That's right, I said it. Um, she realizes that in order to get the information through the quorum here, through the Chikalkin cat would be to destroy the unity, the fragile balance of Navarre, and would be to to destroy the work and the vision and the life's work of her brother Spock. And so she withdraws her request for the information. She says, I will continue to look on my own, and I will share all the information I get with you, but I will not ask you for this information because it, it clearly would be harmful to Navarre. It's not worth it to, to harm your planet just to get this information and save the Federation. That's not what the Federation is about. It's not what Spock would have wanted. And she leaves. She bangs the gong and she walks out the door. And everyone gets up and they're like, <gasps> it was a pretty, pretty baller move. You yeah. Know? And they stand up in support of her and respect for her. It was such yes. a well, like not to get too ahead of myself or ourselves, but Jeez. it was such a well-written episode. It was just mm-hmm. well, like so well-structured. The story was so good massive respect for just the way that it all played out because it was just like oh i didn't know that was coming i didn't you know like mm-hmm. i didn't know dr g was going to turn up i didn't know dr bum, g bum, was going to give her like that the tough love i didn't know bum, the bum, unification bum. was was you know going to be so fragile and then michael would say bum, well bum, i don't bum. need that data bum, bum, i'll get bum. it another way and then they'd That's give it to right. her anyway bum, bum, bum. yeah Maybe you should do the rundown. That was a pretty <laughs> perfectly succinct way of describing what it's taken me 10 minutes to talk about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so then later, Dr. G comes to Michael's quarters and is like, hey, you didn't work with the Takalkin Cat. However, you there, I says, I said there was another audience there. You impressed President Trina, and here's the SB19 information. And uh, my, Dr. G is going to stay on Navarre because she can no longer stay with Michael because Michael's cause is no longer lost. All right. All right. She says, I, I have something I can tell you that I've wanted to say for so long. You always know where to find me. Mm. And uh, it brought tears to my eyes. I got a little, I <gasps> welled too. up a bit. There was no? a lot of, there was, this was quite a snot festive an episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got, and I got it's, emotional. It's not times. over because the penultimate scene, whoo, really going to take you to, uh, going to take you to the I am Spartacus kind of feeling. Because Tilly comes to engineering thinking she's been called there by Stamets only to be confronted by the entire bridge crew. And she's like, oh, you told everyone. And and she's like, well, I haven't decided yet. And they all say, say yes, say yes, say yes, uh, that they all trust her. And even though she may be the most junior officer there, they would follow her anywhere. And she's she they, they couldn't think of a better number one to have on their crew. Mm. And I'll be honest with you, I agree. And therefore, I would like to once again play the Tilly time song. Tilly, don't be silly. Don't be silly. Tilly, space is wide. Space, space is, is wide. wide. That's right. Tilly, it chilly. Tilly, it's your time. Did we unwittingly call this? It is Tilly's time. It is Tilly's time. It is Tilly's time to rise. Yeah. And I, there is no one more deserving. Um. As as we said, she's been a, an exemplary, exemplary, unofficial number one to Saru since the season began. One mm. of and has been holding this crew together when most of them are are, are sort of falling apart under the stress of being di- dis, displaced 
930 years. In any case, Michael shows up late and she's like, hey, and, and we need someone to undo this, uh, to figure out this information. And Tilly's like, oh, you're into it too? And she's like, oh yeah, totally. Did I miss the say yes session? And then they hug. And she was like, I just really wanted your blessing. And Michael's like, you didn't need it. Anyway, beautiful things. Lots of tears. I cried. Great you hug. cried. We all if cried. If you don't cry, your heart is made of coal. Uh, yes, it was a great thing. And I can't wait to salute Sylvia Tilly. As first officer. So two more tiny scenes. Saru saying goodbye to Tarina and saying, listen, I know it's it's preemptive to try and get Navarre back into the Federation. However, I hope our conversations can continue. And Tarina says, I hope so too, in time. And then she says it is it that the 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 crew of the Discovery and Saru himself are not what she expected, and it was a compliment. And then she goes down to the surface. And the final scene is Michael and Book and Grudge on Book's ship, which is still in the shuttle bay. And Michael's like, I have to stay here. This crew is my family. It's where I belong. And Michael says, what does that mean for you, Book? And Book says, I don't know. But he does look meaningfully at Grudge. And that is the episode. You throw your notes? No, because I have to hold on to them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. What was that? Well, because I was going to play the... The oh, oh, tinfoil <laughs> time, but now I hit the wrong note. Oh, dear. Well, we're about to go into it. All right. So let's discuss some things about the episode. Is this tinfoil time? Yes. However, it's going to be weird. Yeah. We haven't. Uh... You hear that? Yeah. One more time. Here's what I think. Or should it be, the truth is out there? <laughs> I don't know. There's something like that. We'll get there. We're working on that one. We'll we'll make that official soon. I'm not sure what exactly weird thing to say. So if you have any thoughts on that, please let me know. Uh, okay. Working in reverse from the smallest issue to perhaps the greatest. Right now, I'm curious just to that final look at grudge that book gives. I didn't think too much about that, but... Well, it's not a huge thing, but it's like, why, when she says, what does that mean for you, does he look at his cat? <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe he's just contemplating, well, I can't be with Michael anymore, so maybe it's going to be my cat and me in the galaxy forevermore. No? She says, I'm going to stay here forever. You feel like home. He says, you feel the same way to me, too. She's like, so what does that mean? He goes, I don't know. I mean, something's going on with Grudge. Remember... Book, sexy, shirtless, light-up forehead, space druid book can talk to animals. So I feel like he, he can probably talk to Grudge. All no? Right. All right. I, I don't know. I feel like I feel that like you're looking be... into this because you've got a cat. I was trying to sing my own theme song. But I, I know it's a little crazy, but I feel like Grudge is mixed up in all of this somehow. Maybe she caused If you want to sing your own theme tune, I'll, I'll do some after effects with the podcast when it comes Boo-wee. out. It's a theory of mine, um, but it's not super important. Uh, obviously, Tilly is first officer. Mm. I think we're all on board for that. Super. It's pretty dope. Yep. We didn't get any, and this is why I was saying maybe there wasn't so much tinfoil, because we didn't get any information on Giorgio, which I think would be really interesting. Yep. And it would have been interesting to see how Dr. G and Giorgio interact in this future. Indeed. Michael's, Michael's. Michael, two of Michael's, Michael's moms. three moms. She has three moms. Oh, that's right. The and Amanda. Yep, and Amanda. Yeah. Hmm. Giorgio, Doctor G, and Amanda. Michael has three moms. 
We didn't see Amanda interact with anyone else, did we? Mom-wise. No, I don't think she ever even act- interacted with Giorgio. No. If I'm recalling correctly. I don't recall. And, I, and she definitely wasn't there at uh, ESO, ESOF 3 or whatever, where, where we first met the Red Angel in mm. season two and found out that Dr. G was Amanda's mom. So, anyway, I think uh, it's going to be very interesting um, to find out what's going on with Giorgio precisely. And well. I think that might be tied up in all this. Yes. Have you an alert? Uh, I might do. Incoming transmission. Transmission. <laughs> well, if you're super nerds like I am, and we are, but Aki didn't get time to do this, um, mm-hmm. I occasionally watch The Ready Room, hosted by Will Wheaton. So if you Will haven't Wheaton. had a chance to say to, to, to watch that, uh, we do get a little throw forward of a scene with uh, Culber and Giorgio, where they're discussing her medical condition and what appears to be a brain disease diminishing thingy. Oh, no. So we're not sure. And she's not particularly willing to divulge any information about it or how she's been feeling. And Culper's like, well, I can't bloody help you then if you don't give me that that stuff. So and there's sort of a bit of an impasse about it. And that's just the mini scene that we get. So we are going to find out more about Giorgio and her her condition in the next episode. So she's just sick. It has nothing to do with the burn or grudge. We're not sure at this point. We don't have enough information to connect those dots. I think they're connected. <laughs> this is why I shouldn't have sound effects. Yeah, I was going to say that's why I'm in control of the sound effects. Well, moment. this is the issue. So I, well, we'll see about that. Is all I have to say. Uh, and we didn't get any more of the weird melody, lest we forget mm. that the first two episodes we had. Uh, no, not the first two. I think episodes three and four. The melody is shows up prominently. It is a question, but it has faded to the background. Of mm. Indeed, it shall come back. It has to. Something in SB19 is going to have to do with that melody, right? Something. Gotta be. I think it really comes back to Grudge. Grudge the cat. Right, yes, possibly. And maybe because he's a cat and he can hear higher frequencies or something. She's a queen. She, sorry, I know. Right? Well, I think she has a plan. I don't know. You think Grudge has a plan? We don't have to go go all the way down into my my Grudge thoughts. Your your rabbit hole of... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the spin-off 24 uh, episode seasons of Grudge the Cat and her <laughs> adventures. And her sidekick book. Let's see. And uh, I guess the other big thing that I took from this episode was it seemed like they were really laying the groundwork to have to deal with more of the fractured society. Thank you. To have to deal with more of the fractured society on Navarre, right? mm they don't really go into what it is, but obviously Naraj, who wants more, what do they call it, self-governance, uh, is apparently having to worry about like insurgencies or uprising in his area. And also they come down pretty hard on Shira. She's the Romulo Vulcan. Oh, it just rolls off the tongue. It sounds like pasta. <laughs> Would you like, uh, yes, we're starting with a, a Romulo Vulcan uh, in vodka sauce. Anyway. Mmm, an antipasto Romulo Vulcan. With prosciutto on the side if you choose for an extra five dollars. An extra five dollars? Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> Only it's $5. an add on. Yeah. Hey, prosciutto, for God's sake. These are well, I mean, I mean, you're you're I mean, it's very expensive to import prosciutto to the States. Five dollars. I mean, I would not... say probably eight. But we're in yeah. New York, you know. 
Yeah, I'm, we're talking twelve dollars for a side of prosciutto. A side of prosciutto, a strip oh. of prosciutto would cost you. I'd a love lot of some money. prosciutto and melon right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been. I have a prosciutto hanging in my closet right now. That of I started. Why in, wouldn't you? In, at the beginning of quarantine, I got a ham hock and I cured it, and hung it on a rope. Anyway. All right. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see if we wind up going back to Navarre and seeing what some of these, especially since these SB19 may have been involved somehow in the revelations about the burn. It seems like the quorum couldn't even cult it together. There's something else going on there, but maybe that's uh, down the line. Maybe that's a season four thing. They're just laying the groundwork. Maybe. Yeah. And that's, that's all that really, I think those are the major themes of this episode. I, you know, I didn't see any, any other hints, but Mm. they aren't good. They are good at hiding things. Some Easter eggs in there. But, you know, and some things that I thought were fun. So we we obviously got a flashback of Spock. We got to see some real uh, footage of Spock. And then obviously we were thrown forward to Picard. So it was just a nice intermingling of treks that we haven't Mm -hmm. really seen too much of before. Yes, they're interleavened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, usually you see it at the beginning or the end of the series. It's like, this is the thing that starts you, then off you go. But now we're starting to see all this sort of be interwoven. Mm -hmm. As we've seen, they are unafraid of of having uh, something like a character from a totally different franchise take a major role in a season. So, I mean, I don't know what they would do. Nimoy is no, no longer alive, so there's mm-hmm. no old Spock. But yeah. um, it doesn't mean that there aren't other interesting characters from that era, maybe even played by different actors, that... Might no, that wouldn't make oh, sense. Oh, I take it back. I think in TNG they they brought um they brought Scotty in. I think and they also did they bring in the yeah no it's just Scotty. Yeah, they brought McCoy in. That's I think right. on the very first episode, just showing him the was ship. Was it McCoy? Yeah, I thought it was McCoy. Scotty. They did Scotty, and he was he was um trapped in a a beam. He was trapped in an energizer beam. Oh, that was that, yeah, that was a different was episode. That later? Yeah, the I think the pilot of TNG, they had McCoy walking down the hallway. Just saying, hmm, the ship looks nice or something like that. Okay. I'll have to, to look into that. But anyway. It's not a, not a major part of that. Yeah. So it was more like cameos than it was like an actual like plot point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is like deeply steeped mm-hmm. the idea of unification, which was such a big thing in uh, uh, TNG, has now become, has come to fruition and also is threatened in season three of Star Trek Discovery. All right. Shall we move on? Yes, have you any quotable moments? Quotable moments? I did have one. I shall have to bring up my notes. Bring up your notes. My notes. It was Dr. G. Dr. G. Dr. G. Dr. G. Duty and joy go hand in hand. Duty is there so you can pursue your happiness, and joy is there so you have something real to fight for. Well done. That is the only quote I wrote down. Really? So I feel like a dummy. I did think I should go back and there was a nice quote that Saru had, but I didn't write it down word for word when he's talking to Tarina. Uh, Cause it was kind of like in the middle of a dialogue, but he was basically saying that when she says that, like uh, how the Federation leaned on Navarre, he says something to the effect of, you know, the greatest challenges or the greatest pain often leads to the greatest lessons. And that uh, Starfleet without Navarre is, is learning something powerful because it's been so harmed by not mm, having by the loss of something to that effect yeah good one there were there were some cool uh moments in this episode but mostly there were moments like tilly 
confronting the bridge crew and them all saying say yes mm. and Michael and her mom and the impassioned speech that Michael gives at the end of um, the Tikal can get. They're all very long. None of them are like quotable, quotable. Yeah. But I think the thing, the, the basic gist of Michael's final thing was like, it's bigger than one issue. It's bigger than one person. That's what she says. That's what Navarre is about. That's what Starfleet is about. Yeah. It's about all of us coming together. There was that discussion about like, us moving on from that sort of the needs of the many are greater than the needs. Oh of the yes, few. that was the thing. Was yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, it was part of that conversation because she says like we didn't used to say that. Yes, that's right. We're all we're right here, right here, right here, right now. And <laughs> and uh, yeah, she says we learned how to put. Uh, uh, I forget what the word she used because it wasn't uh, catechisms or or whatever. But she was like, uh, you know, statements like that are nice, but you can't always cling to them. Mm. Um, so sometimes it is about the needs of the few and that's what Starfleet apparently was forgetting that sometimes putting so much pressure on the few will make them want to leave you marginalize them a lesson to be learned by all of us slap some reverb on that in the post I don't know I don't know why I decided to fix it in post fix it in post so well I mean that brings us to the end of our episode shall we get on to next time let's do it next time Next time on Set Phasers, we will be going into episode eight of season three, entering the home stretch. Uh, it is entitled The Sanctuary. Sanctuary! Sanctuary! Get excited, everyone, because this is yet another one directed by Freaksy. Yeah! So I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm sure it's going to be heartwarming. Maybe there'll be pizza. I don't know. Who knows? I would love it if somebody just did that thing, you know, with their leg over a, a chair. Oh, my goodness. If he <laughs> if someone hopped over a chair at a meeting. <laughs> oh, man, that would be so ridiculous. It would be, uh, it would be Giorgio. Cause she's the only one that's yes, like badass would. enough to do that. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, next week we'll be talking about the sanctuary and we will be seeing what happens with the crew of the Discovery. Uh, if you, uh, well, thank you for joining us. And if you enjoy the program, you can catch us every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live or as a podcast every Monday, wherever podcasts come from. And indeed, and we are on Facebook, of course, we're at Set Phasers Podcast, uh, and we're also on Instagram and all and, and in all of these places. And don't forget, you can join us to talk about all things Trek, which we do. We share some fun links to things that uh, are shared on the Star Trek universe. If you don't follow, follow them, and I often share some quotable, quotable moments, quotable and moments. other things, quotable yes. moments. And if you'd like to support us in our continuing mission to discover what Discovery has in store for us, we'd only be delighted. You can patronize us. We can take it by going to patreon.com slash set phasers. Well, Aki, you know, uh, we have our monthly Netflix watch party coming up. Oh, soon. it is almost December. Indeed. What say you to doing unification? Parts Parts one one and two. two. I say it is a... Hold on. I say it is a capital idea. (laughs) I shall invite James Mason. Uh, Yes, that sounds wonderful. Wonderful. So if you you go to patreon.com slash set phasers and sign up for one of our sort of like uh, uh, our membership levels, you will be invited to our our uh, co-watching event and we will watch Unification Parts One and Two. Together. Together. And I won't shut up about it the whole time because, you know. 
That's just what we do. That's just what we do. Anyways, that's at patreon.com forward slash set phasers if we forgot to mention it. I didn't remember if you did. did I've you, said it a number of times, but let's, oh, it can't hurt. Patreon.com slash set phasers. Oh, anyway, until next time, I'm Steph Manns. And I'm Aki Burmese, and this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer. End program. Oh, I forgot to push the button again. Fuck. <laughs> that was great. I think I left that in the in the podcast outro. I was like, oh shit, I forgot to push the button. That's perfect. That should be all our ending every end. time. Yeah. Oh, bollocks. That should be, you know, like how TV shows have that, like, uh, production hmm. production company, like, oh, yeah, stamp yeah. at the end? The absolutely, or whatever. Ours could be, oh, shit, I forgot to put the button, push the button. <laughs> uh, produced by, oh, shit, did I forgot to push it? Yeah. End. Oh, shit. End program. Oh, I would love to create a um, production company called, sorry, I was on mute. Oh, very appropriate. Very <laughs> apropos. <laughs> You're on mute. In fact, I'm, someone needs to do that. That'll be a new one. And then it's like a Whoa. button. Click. Sorry, yeah. I was on mute. Sorry, I was on mute. This has been a Sorry, yeah. I Was On Mute production. This has been a Sorry, I Was On Mute production. Mm.